So I'm just talking to you. All right, dear. Hello, I'm Nana. And if you enjoy listening to my sweethearts talk on this show, maybe tell a friend of yours. And maybe they can enjoy it, too. And if you would like to see this little show go a little bit further, maybe check out the Darlings Buy Me a Coffee account. All right. Okay, honey, you can go ahead with your flashlight thing now. Ladies, gentlemen, please take your seats. The spotlight is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. I'm Mystery Matt, and you're listening to the Mystery Matt Spotlight Podcast. And this evening, we are continuing our second part of the, what was it, Atlanta? Atlanta Child Murders. Saddest thing I've ever heard of. Anyways, um, yeah, I guess we might as well just jump right in it. Um, I'm joined, obviously, by Kelly and Sarah. Hey, what's up? The true crime team. Anyways, yeah. So Team True Crime. Woo! Take it away, ladies. Okay, so in part one last week, uh, we covered the very long timeline of events, including all suspected 28 victims. If you haven't heard part one, I suggest you start there. And this case is about to get very complicated. So last when we left off... Uh, 27-year-old Nathaniel Cater's body was found in the Chattahoochee River, just a few feet away from where the police recruit heard something splashing in the water just a few nights before when they stopped 23-year-old Wayne Williams on the bridge above where the splash was heard. It is then that law enforcement puts Williams under obvious surveillance. Williams lived in a middle-income neighborhood with his parents, Homer and Faye Williams, who were both retired teachers. So far, Williams is checking a lot of the boxes on FBI profilers John Douglas and Roy Hazelwood's profile. Early to mid-20s, single, black, male, lives with parents, educated, and an ambulance chaser. So who was Wayne Bertram Williams? Wayne was looking to break into the music industry as a producer and frequented the club scenes, local recording studios, and was always on the lookout for young talent. His main goal was to manage the next Jackson 5. He would hang up flyers around the city, especially in the Omni Hotel, Omni Hotel and the arcade there. He also would listen to the, his police scanner and, as a freelance cameraman, <gasps> would arrive at many arson or crime scenes faster than the actual media outlets to oh, record wow. footage and sell it to news stations. Well, yeah, he was hearing it straight from the horse's mouth from the yeah. police radios, right? His father was on stage with Sammy Davis Jr. and Frank Sinatra at the Omni during their benefit concert to raise money to help finance law enforcement to solve the case of the missing and murdered children, getting footage for the news. This explains the ambulance chaser description made by Douglas and Hazelwood. He even owned a police car, which he restored the police lights and radio on the inside and had a German shepherd named Sheba. 
On June 3, 1981, the FBI bring Wayne Williams in for an interview while a search warrant on the Williams home, which included all vehicles, was executed. FBI fiber expert Harold Dedman took clippings from a purple bedspread and yellow blankets found underneath Wayne's bed. The carpet in Wayne's bedroom was green, which the Georgia Bureau of Investigation's fiber expert Larry Peterson had green fibers which were recovered from the victim's bodies. Peterson also took carpet and bedspread samples, as well as hair from the dog. While the search of the home and vehicles was going on, Wayne agreed to take a polygraph test, which he failed. FBI let him go, as they had nothing to hold him on. Yet. The morning after his FBI interview, Wayne Williams invited the media into his home to give an interview on one condition, that they wouldn't show his face. Okay, so let's put it, this one out there. One, if you are innocent, who cares what you look like? But if you're not, there might be witnesses out there who can recognize or who can or might recognize you, which is why you would hide your face. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah. Two, he let his name use, be used so anyone could look up his name and find out where he lived and easily identify him. So this whole don't show my face crap is really just a way for Wayne Williams to hide from potential witnesses as well as take control of the situation. If he was concerned about his safety, then he wouldn't have given his name out. But moving on from that. He admitted to the reporters that he failed the polygraph test and was asked about the victims to which Williams said in a nutshell that the kids had no business being in places they'd been being at certain times of the day and night. He continued to say those children had no kind of home supervision and were running around the streets. Says, quote, that doesn't give anybody a license to kill, but you're opening yourself up to all kinds of things, unquote. Just another quick point here. Victim blaming is usually done by a guilty person, and that is exactly what Williams just did in that media interview. If I can find it again, I'll link it. I, I know I have my links all saved. It's just a matter of finding the right one. Um, so... Williams also tells the press tells the press that he flew F one F fifteen fighter jets and was a race car driver. Like, oh my god, seriously, can you get any more full of shit? Like, seriously, actually, I think you can. And this is back in like the eighties. Yeah, right? yeah. So like, so that's even. But there will less be more. Likely. There will be even more bullshit later on that we get to weed through, and I can't wait to get there. Um, <laughs> Williams was all well known by the police and local politicians because of his notoriety in the community. So when police had set up roadblocks while searching for the killer, he was always waved through. He easily moved through the city, unnoticed and non-threatening. He blended in perfectly. Also, he could have used his music business to entice children. Patrick Rogers comes to mind. Patrick did tell his little brother Isaac that he met someone who could help launch his music career. I don't believe in coincidences. Hmm. So, so the fibers taken from Wayne's bedroom match the fibers found on Nathaniel Cater's body, as well as Jimmy Payne's, but also match some of the other earlier victims. While Wayne was under surveillance, no other murders happened that fit in the ACM's um, modus operandi or killing ground or whichever way you want to look at it. So the Which media way was, do you want to look at it? <laughs> all of it, I guess. <clears throat> so the media was soon released Wayne Williams' photo, a photo that was familiar to Anthony Carter's cousin Jimmy Edwards and Isaac Rogers, who identified Williams as the man on Miss Willie May's porch. On June 21st, it was Father's Day, and the day the police arrested Wayne Bertram Williams and was charged with two counts of murders for the deaths of Jimmy Payne and Nathaniel Cater. Both were found close together. Both had fiber evidence that matched that was obtained from the Williams' bedroom. 
The community was upset and distrusted the police because they had arrested a black man. They firmly believed that he couldn't have done it because a black man wouldn't kill black children. They even doubted he was the one because the two murders he was charged for were the murders of two adult males. On June 22nd, Judge Clarence Cooper is randomly selected to preside over the case. District Attorney Louis Slayton and Prosecutors Jack Millard, Gordon Miller, and Joseph Drolot would present the case. Williams hired defense lawyers Al Binder, or is that Binder? Binder and Mary Welcome. January 6, 1982, jury selection is finalized and eight African Americans and four white jurors are sworn in. The prosecution petitioned the court to allow evidence linking... Something just happened, sorry. <laughs> Kelly lost her spot. <laughs> no, my, my screen just like blew up. And anyways, okay. The prosecution petitioned the court to allow evidence linking Williams to 10 additional victims to be allowed to be heard in court, which Judge Cooper did by invoking the prior bad acts doctrine and the 10 additional cases and evidence was allowed in. Although Williams would never be charged with those 10 additional cases, despite the evidence. That's baloney. It is. <laughs> Multiple witnesses took the stand. It came out in court that the police were unable to locate a Cheryl Johnson, who Williams claimed he had a meeting with the day he was stopped on the bridge. That no one by the name Cheryl Johnson lived at the address Williams told police and FBI he was out looking for. Prosecutors talked about the hairs and fibers recovered from Patrick Balthazar's body and how two human hairs consistent with Williams were found on the inside of Patrick's shirt. Fibers from the yellow blanket, red spread, carpet, and the German Shepherd, as well as fibers which matched a, a leather jacket found in Wayne's bedroom, all found on Patrick Balthazar's body. Larry Peterson said that there is incalculable odds that all of these fibers were not uh, in contact with him in this environment. Basically, it's not a coincidence that all the fiber evidence from 12 murders all matched each other and matched the samples retrieved from items Wayne owned. Witness Robert Henry placed Wayne Williams with Nathaniel Cater as they left the theater the same night Williams was on the bridge and said they were holding hands. Another witness said that Williams told him about all the kids running around the neighborhood and expressed contempt for lower-income kids and blamed his own failures on them. Another witness said that Williams had bragged that he knew how to kill a child with just his bare hands. Ew. Yeah. Ew. The defense argued that their five foot seven and pudgy client could not kill because he was too small and too out of shape, and there is no way that he could lift a body out of a car and toss it over a bridge railing because Williams is weak. Well, let me tell you something, brother. Brother. Yep. I'm short, I'm fat, and I'm out of shape, but you would be surprised what adrenaline will do to a body, oh, no matter the size. La ladies and gentlemen, my wife is mighty. Yes. But this whole entire argument of the defense is a cop-out. I didn't think you wanted to read that part. FBI profile John Douglas was in the courtroom acting as an advisor for the prosecution, reading Williams' body language, as well as the jury's. Douglas could tell that they were losing the case and that the prosecution would need to be ready for that. He also told the team that Williams will want to take the stand, but the prosecution disagreed. 
Douglas assured them he would take the stand because William is too narcissistic not to. He won't be able to resist because he is very arrogant. Forensic psychologist Michael Bayless examined Wayne Williams three times, but would later say that Williams was emotionally capable of murder and that his motive was based on power and obsessive need to control. He also said that later that Williams wanted to control Bayless by insisting he change his report. Okay, so when Williams takes the stand, because he does, he takes the stand. Douglas predicted that correctly. Oh, this should be good. This is good, okay? When William takes the stand and the prosecution went up to cross-examine him, John Douglas advised them to keep him up on the stand for as long as possible, repeat the same questions, go through his life. The more tedious, the better. Douglas was positive that if they wore him down, they would see the cracks in William's foundation. Once they were to see those cracks, they would move in closer, start to invade his space, touch his arm, and ask in a low, calm voice if he panicked when he killed those kids. Douglas was sure it would elicit a reaction. So Jack Mallard does exactly what Douglas tells him to do. And when the time was right, Mallard leaned in close, touched Wayne's arm, and asked, What was it like to kill those kids? What did it feel like to wrap your fingers around the victim's throats? Did you panic? And Wayne responded with a calm voice, no. The moment he realized what he did, he flew into a rage, yelling and ranting, calling the police Keystone Cops and the FBI goons, and then yelled, you want the real Wayne Williams? You've got him. His defense team went nuts, and people, including the jurors and the prosecution team, were legit scared of Williams. Douglas's plan had worked out perfectly. So... Douglas wasn't finished with his predictions. After the outburst, he tells Mallard that he bets in one week Williams will suddenly get sick. Sure enough, one week later, Williams interrupts the trial with horrific stomach pains and is rushed to the hospital. Mallard was amazed at Douglas's work. Williams had lost traction with the jury and was desperate to regain any sympathy he was getting from the jury prior to his angry outburst. And what better way to do it than to do it than being whisked off to the hospital? It turned out there's absolutely nothing wrong with Williams. On February 27, 1982, after 11 hours of deliberation, the jury came back with guilty on two counts of murder and was served two consecutive life sentences in Valdesta Correctional Institute. One of the jurors said that the fiber evidence was too hard to ignore. He said that finding the same fibers in that many places would be astronomical. Williams, however, believes the fiber evidence was manipulated. Of course he does. Every murderer believes that the same things happened to them. It was manipulated, or it was planted, or there was cross-contamination, blah, 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 right? <clears throat> so after Williams' conviction, the task force was disbanded, despite the fact that Williams was never charged with any of the remaining 28 murders. Those cases were closed without convictions and returned to their appropriate jurisdictions. Through this is a fairly common aspect of law enforcement and the judicial system, to close most of the cases when the person who is connected to them has already received multiple life sentences. Oftentimes, the district attorney will go through the cases that might be connected to the person who is about to be charged and only charge that person on what he or she feels is winning the case for them. If later down the road, they obtain more evidence, they can add more charges. In this case, despite still having matching fiber evidence in at least 10 other cases, the DA chose not to move forward with those 10 other cases, which in my opinion was a huge mistake. Not just because those cases got closed, but because those children deserve justice and their families deserve to have a resolution. So now there are 28 families who do not have any answers or justice for their babies who were stolen from them. 
Well, because he wasn't tried for it, can't those families go and seek trials against him? A lot of these families don't believe he even did it. To their own kids. Yeah. The whole thing. They don't want to believe that a black man was responsible. Right? But, okay, so then for the ones that do then, would they be able to file a separate case? They probably could have, but it's up to the... They they could could do a... Yeah, they could. There's no one... Uh, statute of limitations on murder. They could do a civil suit. A civil suit would basically bring out a lot of information, and then they can reuse. They can use that civil suit to then go forward with additional um, criminal charges. Um. Anyway, so this pissed many of the families off, and I don't blame them. In some ways, ten of those victims who were brought into the trial of Wayne Williams, where he was convicted for two other cases, might have had some validation as to what happened to them. Um. In my opinion, justice wasn't served and wasn't done for those boys. I have no doubt in my mind that Williams is responsible for those 12 murders. Uh, Patrick Balthazar, Eric Middlebrooks, Alfred Evans, Clifford Jones, Terry Pugh, Charles Stevenson, Jojo, Bell, Luby Jeter, William Barrett, Aaron Jackson, obviously Nathaniel Cater, and Jimmy Payne. <clears throat> While Angel Lanier, LaTanya Wilson, Edward Smith, Milton Harvey and Jeffrey Mathis were handed back to the jurisdiction where their bodies were found. The rest, while they were simply closed, no further investigation, no effort to get answers, no convictions. Thirteen families with no answers, nothing. The face that Darren Glass has never been found and has been missing for 42 years, yet no one is talking about him. At the time, Darren was 11 years old, living with his foster mother, loved to play in the neighbor's yard, and attended Kirkwood Elementary School. He was last seen getting off a bus after an Atlanta Braves game. Is anyone looking for him? He was one of the victims not mentioned in the many documentaries that we watched, but his name remains on the list of potential victims of Wayne Bertram Williams. Do you think that Wayne Williams should have at least been charged with the 10 boys who were mentioned in the trial? Should they have sought out convictions for them at the same time as Cater and Payne? Do you think that it's fair the other cases were just simply closed without further investigation? Do you believe... We've kind of covered a couple of those questions. Yeah, we did. That's why I'm not responding. No, that's fine. That's okay. Do you believe that Wayne Williams is responsible for all or at least most of these murders? We'll ask this one again at the end. So if we talk about conspiracies for a moment, we all love a good conspiracy, but... I'm not particularly fond of them. Like, I'm not fond of them at all. No, Especially when got... it comes to the murder of 30 people. We've got the new Odd Squad coming up, so... <laughs> The biggest conspiracy theory is solely based on the KKK and whether or not they had any involvement. People, including Wayne Williams, believe the police pinned these murders on him to avoid a race war. There is some validity to this. Tensions were high and the KKK were still very much operating. GBI may have connected victim Luby Jeter to having a run-in with Klansmen, where Luby accidentally ran his go-kart into a truck belonging to one of these men who loudly vowed to strangle Luby. Jeter's COD was asphyxiation due to strangulation. Okay. Retire. Oh. I have a question. Yep. I have a question. Mm-hmm. 
Um, was every victim black? Yes. Every single one of them? Yeah. Every single one. Because I know the 80s and the KKK was a huge thing in the media all through the 80s and the 70s and all that kind of stuff. So, like, I can see the point of view, but I would say that's why you would have to treat it case per case, child per child. Don't just lump them all in together if you even think that there's a possibility that there is a second one. Because, like like I said, that's how many children? 14 in total or something? Um, there's 30 victims in total. 30 and victims about, in total. Oh, God. Probably about 20 of them are probably under 15, under 16. Yeah. Give or take. But, like, with that many, you might be looking at more than one. Um, I'll, I will talk about one of my theories in uh, connection to your question here um, that I had it was that I don't necessarily think that Wayne was working by himself. I think that there's always that possibility that maybe he had a partner, maybe not for all of them, but maybe for some of them. And I kind of think that partner might be his father. He just seemed to be kind of popping up in places too. Just like Williams, like Wayne was as well. So, I mean, that's unfair for me to say, because no, there's been no evidence of a partner. There's no been evidence against um, his father. But I think it's something that we should look at. I think it should be delved in deeper. And I think the connection to the, the KKK um, should always have been looked at. And I think that it was because there is more about that coming up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of jumping yeah. the gun. But yeah. that's part of the reason why I thought Angel's death being the fact that she was put like attached to a tree, tied to a tree in the middle of the public was probably more KKK related. That one sounds like, yeah, it is true. They like to take credit. They want to display what they did because it's symbolic for them. And it's, it's saying, fuck you. It's like, yeah, we're still here. You know, to to the other communities, the, the, the black communities. And I hate saying that because I don't want to say anything bad about them. And I'm not purposely trying to say anything bad about them, but, um, that to me would be the way that the KKK would say, "Hey, you guys." I'm there's obviously a different word they would use. Mm-hmm. Um, Instead of you guys, yeah. yeah. Hey, you guys, we're still here, and we're gonna take you out, and we're gonna start with your children. That would be a way to do it. But I don't think that you can connect any of the other cases really to them. Like, I I can't find a way that would connect them personally like hers is outright hey let's tie this little girl to a tree on display for everybody in the middle of the town that's kkk in my opinion don't but most of the time if they're doing that kind of stuff they're not killing them either yes they are well they wear hoods for a reason not anymore so much yeah i think most of them talk more bullshit than they do action but i don't want to I don't want to talk those flames, right? And, and that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, I have a couple different opinions, but they're not easy ones to explain. Yeah. So I'm not going into it because it's just, it, yeah. Let's just all agree that they're nothing but a bunch of cowards and that they are the probably one of the lowest forms of life on this planet. We should have three things on the list we don't talk about. Politics, religion, or race. But you can't always get past the race when you're talking true crime because sometimes it's connected, whether you like it or not. Well, I didn't know the... uh, We mentioned this in the last episode. If you missed that, go 
catch up first. If you're this far in, well, you should have already you're, caught up. You're already too far in. Um, but in the last one, we said that the killer is usually the same race as the uh, victim. Yeah, they don't create, cross racial lines. They don't usually cross racial lines. And like we said in the last one, there's always the exception to the rule. Either way, with that number, I think you still should. If there's even like, oh, maybe that guy had something to do with it. Follow up on all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, too, you have a group like the KKK. They're not really classified as serial murders. They're classified as... Um, Gang violence or, or hate crime? Or... Oh, yes. But the, oh, what is it? Um, cause seekers. Oh. Cause seeking killings. Cause killings for causes or, basic, or something. I can't remember the... Cause term. killing? Yeah, because they're obviously doing... They're killing for a cause or what they perceive to be a cause. It's a bullshit cause. It's a bullshit cause bullshit and don't come for me for that i mean do come for me for that because i will challenge you on everything but anyways yeah, yeah. let's get anyways, off the so, race then yeah. as much as we can so, we can't but so let's we're here retired fbi yeah. <laughs> i just want to say i disagree with you a little bit about that like um which part getting off the race thing it's something that has to be talked yeah, about yeah, I agree. well yeah yeah uh actually okay i was i was yeah I was going to say, you know, just now let's get back to the story. But, no, you can't get off the race thing. For example, uh, I was working this week and I read a ticket that one of my co-workers wrote. Mm-hmm. And he's from Ni- Nigeria. Sorry, I stuttered there. Um, and I read the ticket and it was disgusting, some of the stuff he was saying, or she was saying to him, all because he wasn't from that area. And by that area, it's like, you know, Gray Bruce, like... Why are you that proud? You know, yeah, there's a lot going on there, but, you know, just because you're not from that tiny little circle of area, that's, I think he meant more globally mm-hmm. that he's not from the area. And I, I messaged him in our messaging system and I'm like, dude, I'm sorry you had to have a customer like that. I hope you don't come across that very often. And he says he doesn't, but every so often you get that one-off kind of thing he's like but it's cool man i'm like no it's not cool and and i message back no it's not cool yeah that's the problem Mm -hmm. uh you being able to just go oh that it's fine it it happens no that's the problem Mm -hmm. people are judging you for no reason Mm -hmm. like i've had friends of every race culture kind creed whatever you want to call it and i've loved them all so, like, to, like, it's 2023. I thought when we were in the 90s and we were starting to get over the racial divide, mm-hmm. um, that things were going to get better. But I don't know what happened. We forgot how, like, we were headed in the right direction and then everything just took a turn again. I don't I know. I think in the 90s it was, like, <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, people stealing black culture. More so now, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Like if you look at the let's say trends from the nineties, it's all about stealing black culture and white people taking advantage of that. And then now, I think it's a lot more of white people acknowledging what has happened, what is currently happening to black people, and trying to reconcile that. Like I've I've had so many situations of people thinking that they can say something to me like because i'm white too like uh another white person will come up to me and be like oh you know like 
this whatever they want to say. Like I had somebody say to me, it wasn't about um, a black person, but it was uh, another racist comment. It was, um, well, we don't do things the way they do in their country. And it's like, it's one of those things that's very subtle, almost like you're not outrightly saying like calling somebody a bad name or however. But you're tap dancing around. Yes. But it's implied and they think they can say that to me because I'm white and I have zero tolerance for that and mm. called him out immediately. But um, it's, yeah, we're, it's a work in progress. We're getting there, but that's why we need to have these conversations so that we can get to the point where there's no difference. And does- if you hate any particular race, think of all the friends you're not going to have. <laughs> You know, if you just want to bring it down to simple stuff, think of all the friends you're not going to have if you take a whole race of people out of the equation. It literally doesn't fucking matter. Like, I know people don't, I don't want to discredit anything that um, black people or people of color have gone through or that their ancestors have gone through. But, like, who gives a fuck about what, like, I don't care that you look the way you do. You're my friend. I don't care the way Sarah looks the way she does. She's my friend. I, I, I literally and don't you guys give a fuck. see my nose. You can go skiing on it. I rented out in the winter. <laughs> I have a it's perfect great. ski nose, too. Yeah, but mine comes with a jump. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, like, not to discredit anything that any anybody's experiences, but it Anyways, we got all on a tangent yeah. again. The way I see it, just a quick ending here. If you're a shitty person, you're a shitty person. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. If you're a good person, you're a good person. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. So, seriously, people. I mean, yes, we need to support. We need to talk. We need to get that information out there so that people can get over it. Because by now, we should be over it. And respect everybody around us, no matter what their race is. I think... It's just human decency. I think the reason now we can't get over it is because it's still happening. It's actually happening worse, I think. Yeah. And we're seeing it. You know what the thing is? It's always been there. But because of social media, because of cell phones and smartphones and shit, it's being shoved in our face. And we're like, whoa, damn, hang on, Hoss. This is still here. Or is it because racists were allowed to breed for so many years and now they've got so many kids? That's probably it, too. But whatever, right? That's kind of... It's definitely what you were saying, Sarah. Like social media. The fact that we have... We've never been so connected as we are now. Never. And we've never been able to blatantly see what's happening to other people's experiences and be able to communicate those experiences. So... And would you believe Kelly still doesn't call me? Mm-hmm. I'll call you from my watch. Really? That'd be sick. I'm gonna. Nice. I'm gonna do it. But this has been a good conversation. Thank you. Thank you for indulging well, me. Even though I try and stay away from that, sometimes you need it. You have to do it. You have, you have to. to. Like, just to be able to put the cards on the table and say, listen, no, that's wrong. Just all of it is wrong. Mm-hmm. And to acknowledge the fact that, like, and even though maybe me or you or Sarah personally have never done anything that's been blatantly racist, we are inherently part of a racist culture. We are white who has historically oppressed communities, people of color, and we have to acknowledge that fact. 
part of the one of the reasons why I wanted to do this case, aside from the fact that there's kind of controversy surrounding, um, obviously the 28 victims that did not receive justice, um, is because I felt it important for us to acknowledge that there was obviously an issue regarding law enforcement in the ju- judicial system back in the day that still continues to this day, and that us reporting on so many children who are of color being killed um it brings more light to it as well and i think that hopefully this case will be like oh just because they're black they they're dead it's like no that's not the case the fact is that there's children dead who cares what their skin color is but the fact of the matter is the problem here is and i'm talking in circles i realize is that the judicial system and the law enforcement are seeing the skin color and they're not they were not doing their job properly so and that's kind of why one of the reasons why i wanted to cover this case Stop the planet from spinning. I want to get off. Right? Let's just freaking move. It'll just follow us. Anyway, so let's go back. <laughs> All right. To jump back in. I know it's squeaking. I don't know why. You need some oil on that bad boy. Lick it. Lick it. Ew. Kelly knows. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Not going there. Not touching that one. Retired FBI agent Jim Procopio said the clan couldn't have been responsible. They would have been noticed right away. They're not that smart to be able to pull off that many near perfect crimes, and they would have taken an ad out in the newspaper to brag about it. Douglas and Hazelwood said the same thing. Also, during this time, the FBI had infiltrated the KKK in Atlanta with an undercover agent, and they were under constant surveillance during most of the murders. And they didn't do anything. Apparently, they just talked a lot of shit, which sounds like them. This theory has some of the victims' families and some members of the public believing that Williams is innocent. Isaac Rogers was very upset at this idea, as he believes Williams murdered his brother and then came after him. As we can see in Isaac's description, and it's and then very the similar. very similar short black man with the uneven afro. Very similar. Also, if he's wearing a hat, it'll, yeah. it can make it uneven. Sure, yeah. Or if he's trying to hide that it's uneven. Yep, yep. Okay. Uh, the theory that the police were behind the murders of Atlanta's black children was never really talked about other than more in a passing manner. I'm sure this theory could hold a lot of weight. We see some law enforcement officers do some pretty shitty things to people of different ethnic backgrounds today. So no doubt that this was around back in the early 80s as well. However, there wasn't a lot of evidence to back this up other than law enforcement's refusal to connect the cases earlier and bring in outside help sooner. I guess it hurts tourism when you make it public that you have a serial murderer running around and abducting and killing children for almost two years. So who is Wayne Williams? Wayne Bertrand Williams was born May 27th, 1958 to Homer and Faye Williams, who were both teachers. Wayne graduated from high school and took an interest in the entertainment industry from a business standpoint. He would refer to himself as a manager and a producer on the lookout for the next big thing. His goal was to find the next version of the Jackson 5. He had a side job as a freelance cameraman, as we mentioned earlier. 
In the first interview with the media, he claimed he flew F-15 flighter jets and was a race car driver, none of which have ever been validated. Okay, so the reason we, we repeated this is because... Are you ready, Matt? Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. No, seriously, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, this is good shit here. All right, everybody, hold on to your butts. As Samuel did J Samuel L. Jackson would say in I'm Jurassic Park, hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. In a CNN documentary airing on July 4, 2011, CNN anchor Soledad O'Brien sat down with Wayne Williams. I'll post a link for you on this on the Mystery Matt Fan Club Facebook page. I'm not sure how she did this without laughing, and to me there were times where I honestly thought that she was holding back. Kudos to Soledad, because damn girl, you held it together. Before she asked him about this in a voiceover, O'Brien mentions that Williams had written about being recruited by the CIA in espionage training as a teenager, that there was this secret government CIA training camp in Georgia just outside of Atlanta where he was given a license to kill. You have something to add to that? I was just going to say, honestly, that wouldn't surprise me. The but government's would... pretty fucked up. Oh, not, but not like I, him I think he's full of shit, but we'll get to that. Not him, like, personally being recruited. I don't yeah. think I believe that, but 100% oh, believe yeah, yeah. that there's some kind of that, that, se- secret that training camp. thing, yeah. it's a, just yeah. he's it's not part of it. It's a very big yeah. possibility, yeah. yes, but not yeah. of him being recruited, especially in the 70s, right? Am I right? It's good to see you, Mr. Bond. Right? So O'Brien says she found something that he. Shit. What the hell are you doing, dude? Dropping my phone. Fuck. Right on uh, the floor. O'Brien says she found something that he had written that read like an autobiography and says it's an account of Wayne's CIA training, but he refuses to talk about it. She holds up a copy of it and says, according to his writings, an associate associate of a World <laughs> War II spy was living in Atlanta and was initiating teenage boys into a secret spy world. O'Brien asks him if this is fake, and he says no. When asked straight up if he worked for the CIA, his reply was, quote, we're not going to get into that, unquote. She just talks, says he wrote about handling rifles, submachine guns, assault weapons, grenade launchers, C4, unarmed combat techniques. He refuses to comment. More questions, but no answers, other than the document speaks for itself. He asks where she got it, and she refuses to answer him, kind of turning the tables on him. I like her. I like her a lot. Anyways, I really, I think she's a baldy-ass woman. Anyways, eventually he says this. Quote, let's say that they, that were true. That were the case. Or let's just say that I had some experiences that I do not wish to comment on today for reasons that the document says. Okay? The fact is, what does that have to do with the situation today? Unquote. She responds with everything because his lawyers were basing his entire defense on the fact that he's a weak individual and could not take anyone down. And he's sitting here basically saying he's CIA trained and could indeed take down anyone. She says that in the writings, he said he could take someone down in a chokehold. At least two of his victims were killed by a chokehold, according to the medical examiners. He still refuses to answer if he was capable of killing with a chokehold. He did say it was CIA training. I think he's so full of shit. Full of shit. Full of it. So there you go. <laughs> you can add to that if you want to. No, I think you you covered everything. Yeah. 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 He's so full yeah. Of shit. yeah. <laughs> CIA trained race car driver, fighter pilot. Oh my god, he does He's it all. he's lived quite At the life. He's lived quite the life. Twenty three. Yeah. He was twenty three when he got arrested. 
Oh wow, but yeah. when when did you do most of that? In his motherfucking dreams. <laughs> like half of those things take years to be oh, able yeah. to get oh, to. Yeah. Like yeah. they're not just gonna go, hey, uh, come fly my F seventeen fighter jet. It'll be a good go. It looks just like Starscream. We'll have fun. You like, bring fucking right. So, like, no, you, you start with the slow plane. Yeah. Not one that is able to do anything near <laughs> mock. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. oh, my God. Oh, oh, and he wore glasses that were like the size of Coke bottles. So he wouldn't have been allowed to fly those planes. Nice. Fucking idiot. I wonder if he was tall enough. Oh, no. He was short as He wouldn't yeah. be able to I don't reach know. the yeah. Elron. Because I think they have a height limit, too. Yeah. 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 Bullshit. You have yeah. to be Tom Cruise height to fly a fighter jet. Yeah. All right. So, what's going on now? I don't know, man. I don't I'm, know either. I don't, I don't know, man. In May 2005, Chief of Police of Delcab County, Lewis Graham, reopens the five cases in his county. Balthazar, Walker, Ben, Bell, sorry, Weechi, Weichi, and Barrett. Many former investigators feel this was a publicity stunt on Graham's part. Less than a year after reopening those cases, he resigns amid allegations of police wrongdoings unrelated to the Atlanta child murder what yeah okay Autocorrect. yep to the atlanta child murders you can call me a bitch anytime it's fine (laughs) okay bitch the investigation had failed to turn up any new evidence and gets closed yet again in 2007 wayne williams lawyer successfully petitions the court to have the two hairs tested that were found inside patrick baltazar's shirt this completely backfires as the DNA comes back, excluding 98% of the population, but the remaining 2% could not be excluded, and Williams was in that 2%. In March 21st of 2019, Atlanta Mayor uh, Keisha Bottoms announced the city will be retesting all evidence associated with the case. DNA evidence will be compared using DNA genealogy technology. Dog hairs that were retested in 2007 matched the German Shepherd breed of dog, which was also the same breed Williams owned. In June 21st of 2019, they had re-examined 40% of the evidence to see what can be retested. They are using a private lab that specializes in deteriorated DNA and have a solid success rate. Also, they have extended the time period to include cases from 1970 to 1985 to see if there were any cases that could be linked to these ones and victims who may have been overlooked. As of this, that's a nice gesture. Yep. Like not having to go back into an old case, but because you're pretty sure someone done screwed up somewhere, you actually take the time to do it. That's a decent go. As of this recording, there have not been any updates in regards to the evidence retesting. Many of the victims' families still feel that Wayne Williams is innocent. Oh, God. Um, it is my, in my personal opinion that Wayne Williams is responsible for at least 12 murders. I do not believe he or even the same person killed the two girls, Angel and Latonya. I don't think he killed Yusuf Bell or Aaron. Oh, this is where I screwed up myself. Yeah. So there's a few victims I don't think he killed. I don't think he killed 
um, Yusef Bell, and I don't think he killed Larry Rogers. Location and victimology and method doesn't line up. Um, with all the advances in technology to look at DNA, trace evidence, and crime lab analysis, these cases should all be reopened, and either it clears him or it doesn't. At this point, it isn't about Wayne Williams. To me, it should be about the victims and their families. They deserve to know the truth behind what happens to those children 43 years ago. Agreed. Kelly? And okay. and also, like, just to the, the squeaking. I know. You come here to listen to good quality podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> High quality equipment. We're getting new stuff. <laughs> Um, but not only like just for those things, but to be able to acknowledge the fact that the police fucked up and that they're correcting it and that they're acknowledging what they did. Um, I think he did most of them and not just the two he was sentenced to. Um, he was only sentenced for two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. You should be going victim by victim, not just, you know, say, okay, well, we know a little bit about these ones. So we're going to lump that into the one case and that's just them done. Unfortunately, no. I think it's like those are the two strongest cases they had, right? So they, they went after him and thankfully they were successful. He was locked up, but those rest of the people yeah. are still outstanding. Oh, God. So my thing is, is that I think the reason that they went after him for Jimmy and Nathaniel's murders is because they were found close together in a relatively short amount of time. The fiber evidence matched and that was all they had. It, it was enough of the... It was all they had. and The best the, link they had to him. So they went with yeah, that one as a focus. With that fiber evidence from those two murders that connected to the 10 murders of those children, it should have been tried for 12 cases there's no reason and even if he's found guilty on all he doesn't matter he's not getting out so just try him on those cases or fucking actually work the damn cases while he's before he goes to trial to get those cases included in those charges you can still charge him with those cases do it i i honestly think he's responsible for some of these murders at least 12 of them and i will stand by that so I've, I'm curious to know what any of our listeners actually think as well. After hearing these details, after hearing the connection of the fiber cases uh, or the fiber evidence, do you believe that he was responsible for all, some, or none of these murders? I want to hear, and I know we probably won't. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. Um, that he's That he's got to be responsible for at least some of these. Because I know in my deep down inside, he's responsible for at least, at least 12 of these murders. So yeah, that's that is the Atlanta child murders. In and a nutshell, not really. Fortunate series of events. One that, like we said, needs more work because it's not over yet. No, it's not over. Um. Anyways, uh, if you guys are enjoying the show, maybe tell a friend. Have a friend tune in. Uh, we also have a mystery mat. Facebook fan page where you can uh, join us and we have extra content over there. And Instagram. And Instagram. And I will be posting more um, stuff on our WordPress page, which I'll connect to our Facebook page as well uh, regarding this case, including photos of the victims so you can get to know their sweet faces. And I had to close down the OnlyFans because no one wants to see my bum. <laughs> so, 
Anyways. Oh, but, so instead, we have a Buy Me a Coffee account, which we can link in our Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we have yet. I, I don't remember. I just hit my teeth on my wine glass. We might want to check. Anyways. I link it in the WordPress anyways. I do. Okay. All right. You guys have a great one, and we'll see you next week.